William Dix was born in Bristol, England in 1837, son of a surgeon. His dad was also a very prolific author, and William was very well educated. He went to grammar school in England, worked for his grandfather while he was going to school. His grandfather was a candle maker and a soap maker, and William worked with him while he was going to school. Trained in the business world, William Dix owned his own insurance company in Glasgow, Scotland after he graduated. Here's a picture of William, by the way. At the age of 29, he, he got a disease that almost took his life. Nearly fatal, it is bedridden for several months and became severely depressed as a result of it. During this time, he turned to Jesus. He became a believer. He followed Christ in baptism and, and became a follower. He had what he called a spiritual awakening, and he started to devour the Bible. He just read it constantly and memorized it and, and poured himself into Scripture. And William began to write poems about his new faith, write songs. And one topic that fascinated William Dix about the life of Jesus was his birth. He loved Christmas. And he wrote one song specifically about Christmas, urging everyone out there to confess Christ. The song highlights what the shepherds must have been pondering as, as baby Jesus was sleeping on his mom's lap. And the words were then set to the tune of one of England's most popular melodies of the day. It had been around 250 years it was the melody, Green Sleeves. William's song became very popular. It's more popular today in the U.S. than it is in England. And here are the words to William Dix's song, urging everybody to confess Christ. What child is this who meant to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Who angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping. This, this is Christ the Lord, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come, peasant king, to own him. The King of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Nails fierce shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail the Word made flesh. Obey, Son of Mary. So William Dix ask a good question. What child is this? Well, Joseph, Mary's fiancé, wondered the same question. Read with me chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. 
And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I want us to answer the question today, what child is this? And first of all, let's look at how Joseph answered the question. Letter A, let's look on your outline at the birth of Jesus. Now, Matthew tells us that the birth of Jesus happened in this way. And he gives us the story of Christmas through the eyes of Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad. Not through the eyes of Mary, not through the eyes of God, or not through the eyes of uh, the shepherds or the angels, but, but through the eyes of Joseph. And Matthew tells us where Jesus came from. And so he begins his story, verse 18. Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Now, their betrothal period, which is our engagement, is a lot different than ours. In Jewish culture, you were betrothed and, and, and engaged to be married, but Jews virtually saw you as married. Now, today, if you're engaged and you want to break the engagement, you don't have to get a divorce, you just break the engagement. Back in Jewish days, they considered you already married if you were betrothed, so you had to go through the divorce proceedings. And so, Mary and Joseph were engaged. Young girls in Jewish culture would be betrothed as early as 13 years old or 14. Usually the husband was older. And so they were betrothed to be married. Don't know how old Joseph or Mary was, but something odd happened. During their betrothal, it was discovered that Mary was pregnant. And Joseph knew that he and Mary had not had any kind of intimate relations, and so he knew it wasn't his. And his fiancée is pregnant. And the rumors started to fly. In fact, rumors started that it was a child of a Roman soldier. The question was, was it consensual or was Mary raped? And so tongues began talking. But it was the Roman soldiers, they thought. And so Matthew tells us to set the story straight. What child is this? And he tells us. Now, Joseph didn't know what to do. He knew it wasn't his child, and his girlfriend is pregnant, and so he's thinking, I have three options. 
Number one, Jewish law in Deuteronomy 24 says, I can divorce her publicly. I bring her out into the public square, let everyone know she's pregnant, it's not my child, I'm divorcing her, and she would be put to what was called public shame, even possibly a stoning and death. Option number two, according to Numbers chapter 5, he could divorce her privately, which meant you get two witnesses. They would, you would gather with Mary and two witnesses, and they would hear your desire to, to divorce her, and it would be very quiet, and you both go your own way. Divorce her quietly. Numbers 5 said you could do that. Or the third option was just remain engaged knowing it's not your child, and raise another man's baby. So we're told in verse 19, as Joseph pondered these options, he decided on option number two, put her away privately. He was a just man, a kind man is what the word means, and he loved Mary, and so he didn't want to put her to public shame or even possibly death. So he decided in his mind, I'm going to divorce her privately. I'll get two witnesses. We'll get it done and we'll move on. And notice it said Joseph, as he's considering these things, God showed up. In this passage, there are four divine initiatives where God took the initiative to break into the story. Notice in verse 20 it says, as Joseph considered these things, and the word considered there in the Greek language is very interesting. It's a compound word. It's the word thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S, with the prefix E-N in front of it, and thumos, and it literally means to revolve. So, so he's revolving things in his mind. He's pondering over and over and over. He's turning things over in his mind. But the word enthumos also meant to boil, to be angry. Joseph was hot. He was mad. He was angry. He was wondering what to do. He was furious. And he fell asleep. And an angel appeared to him in the sleep and said, Joseph, son of David. Oh, wait a minute. That's, that's legal language. Son of David, that, that, that's a legal proceeding. He's calling me by my heritage. It'd be like somebody showing up to me and saying, You, Gregory Lyle Ammons, Social Security 445-676813. Ooh, this must be serious. By the way, that's not my Social Security number. <laughs> Everybody go back to the video and stop it. What's his Social Security? That's a fake one. But if somebody shows up, says my full name and social security number, I'm going to go, oh, this is serious. And that's what son of David meant. But son of David in the Old Testament was messianic terms. Joseph, son of David? Yes. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, this is not a human's child. This is God's child. 
why, why hadn't Mary told Joseph? Why didn't she just say, Joseph, look, I know this is not going to look good, and I know you may not believe me, but several months ago, this angel appeared to me and said that I would be overshadowed by the Most High, I'd become pregnant, and the child's going to be God's son, he's going to be the Messiah. I know you don't have to believe me. She didn't say anything. The angel told him. And so we're told in verse 21, the angel said, And she will bear a son, Joseph, and you shall call his name Jesus. Joseph, you don't get to name the child. Now, Jesus was a very common name back in those days. In fact, Josephus, the secular historian who wrote about the history of the Jews, he, he wrote about 12 different men at the time period of Jesus by the name Jesus. It was a very common name. It simply meant God saves and that's why they called him Jesus of Nazareth to, di to distinguish from the other Jesuses who were out there. You'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Folks, the single most fundamental character trait of Jesus mentioned was Savior. The angel could have said, Joseph. You shall name him Jesus because he's going to be great, and he's going to be a teacher, and he's going to be a prophet, and he's going to be, he's going to be a good example for you to follow. He didn't say that. He said he's going to save his people, not from Rome, from their sins. Because that's what we need most. And then the angel went on, and all this took place. Matthew went on. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14, that says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and ye shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, there are a lot of critics who say, You Christians said Jesus was born of a virgin. The word in the Old Testament, Isaiah 7, 14, in Hebrew, Alma, could mean young lady doesn't mean someone that's never had sexual relations, but you Christians want to make it that. I've heard that criticism. But a couple of things. One is Alma is used several times throughout the Old Testament, and it's never used just as a young lady. It's always used as a virgin. And when the Septuagint was written, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, they translated it with the Greek word parthenos which means someone who's not had any sexual relations before. So the angel said he was born of a virgin. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Whenever John Wesley died, he, um, he died with that on his lips. He died saying, Emmanuel, God with us. Be with me now in death. Best of all, God is with us. And that's what Jesus' name meant. So Matthew tells us three reasons Jews can believe Jesus is the Christ. His genealogy, which is earlier in chapter 1. Born of a virgin and he fulfilled prophecy. So he is the promised Messiah. 
Now, Matthew tells us whenever Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Matthew noted Joseph's obedience. He didn't waver. But I find a couple of things interesting. It said whenever Joseph awoke from sleep, and the word waking up there is an interesting word. It's the Greek word egyro, E-G-I-R-O, with the prefix dia in front of it. It literally means to calm the storm. When Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee, the waves were, were raging, and he said, peace, be still. The word egyro was used, and that same word is used when Joseph woke up. The storms that were going on in his mind about Mary were calmed. And he did as the angel of the Lord, it says, commanded him, but it literally means assigned him. It was his assignment. To raise Jesus. And then we're told in chapter verse 25, Joseph had no sexual relations with Mary until the child was born. Now, Roman Catholic belief says that Mary was perpetually a virgin. She was a virgin for her entire life. Now, Jesus had brothers and sisters who were younger than him. But the belief from the Roman Catholic Church is that they too were born of a virgin and Mary stayed a virgin her entire life. There's never any indication from Scripture that she was. But they called his name Jesus, and Joseph carried out God's will. And Joseph answered the question, what child is this? By saying, he's God's son. Now let's go to letter B on your outline, my confession. I want to share with you how I answer the question, what child is this? This is just me. What child is this? My answer. What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Eyes open. First thing. Grab for your phone, right? Most Americans, that's the answer. Some of them say, I get coffee. Others say, I stretch. Most Americans grab for the phone, look at emails, go to Facebook. As soon as my eyes open in the morning, first thing, I say, Good morning, God. I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just telling you my confession. Good morning, God. Thanks for the restful night's sleep. And thank you for the new day. You don't owe it to me. You've given me a lot of them so far. You don't owe me today. I don't take it for granted. So thank you. It's a gift. May I not waste it. Then I get up, shower, get ready, start my day. And I begin my day, and again, not saying you have to do this. I'm just, I'm telling you how I answer the question. I begin my day with a confession. And I make seven statements of what I believe. And making those, that confession of those seven statements helps center my day. 
The first statement I make is about God. And I confess that Yahweh is the only true God. You see, Yahweh is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so I confess, God, I believe that you, Yahweh, the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, is the only true and living God. The others are false and dead, and you're the only one that's alive. Because Isaiah 45, 5 says, I am the Lord, there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. So I'll let him know every morning. I agree with him. There's no other gods but you. I go to my second statement. Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, there have been many people deny that through the years. Many people deny that today. But I believe 2,000 years ago, I didn't see him with my eyes. I wasn't here then. But, but I believe when Jesus was walking this earth, it was literally God walking among us. And I confess that that's heresy to some people. I understand that. But my confession is that Jesus is Emmanuel. God has visited us in the manger. You might remember John 14, Jesus having a conversation with the disciples, and Philip speaks up and he says, Jesus, Lord, just show us God and we'll be pleased. And he said, Philip, how long have I been with you and you don't know who I am? When you've seen me, you've seen God. So that's my confession. And then I go to statement number three. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's no demigod. He's no half and half. Back in biblical days, there were many belief systems out there where you had half and half. You had a half man and a half goat. You had a half man, half other things. He's not half and half. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He is 100% God and 100% like me, yet without sin. So I say, Jesus, it is my confession you are 100% like me and 100% God. Paul said in Colossians 2.9, For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Amen. I agree. I go to statement number four. Jesus is the only way of salvation. I'll reject all other possible ways of getting saved, of going to heaven, going to church. I don't think I'm going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I don't think I'm going to heaven because I have theology degrees. I don't think I I go to heaven because I read the Bible all the time. I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus Christ did for me and my sins. And I say, Jesus, every morning I say, Jesus, if there's another way to get to heaven other than you, I missed it. Because it's only you. John says that in 14.6, no one comes to the Father, Jesus said, except through me. And I confess that. And then I go to statement number five. 
There's no other name. I say, Jesus, I confess that there is no other name other than yours to get me to heaven. There's something about your name. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were standing before the religious council of Jews. Listen to what they said. They said, I want, you to be, I want it to be known today, brothers, that by the name of Jesus whom you crucified, this Jesus that the stone the builders rejected became the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And I repeat that back every morning. Jesus, I confess there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I believe in you and place my faith and trust in you every single morning. Did I lose it in the night? Nope. Just reaffirming every day what I believe. I go to my sixth statement. Jesus is the way. The truth, life. He said that, John 14. And I confess, Jesus, you're the way to get there. The only way. Last week, the last 10 days, we just came back a couple of days ago, but 51 of us in the church went to Israel, and we were there for the last 10 days. I want to show you a picture I took last week. Look at this picture. This is at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You know what that is, that green thing there? That is a gate that's pointing the direction to Mecca for Muslims to know the way to pray. And if you walk about a few steps from that gate, maybe as far as from here to our back door, you have an area where Jesus walked. So this gate is pointing over the steps where Jesus walked 1,129 miles to Mecca so it'll show people the way when walking all around that gate was the way. And the truth. I confess Jesus your truth our culture is sadly confused on truth, but your truth and your life. I reject all other ways of living my life other than living for you because you are life. And every morning, that's what I tell him, I'm living for you because you're life. And then I go to the last statement. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And I say, Lord, one day, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. One day, every critic and every skeptic and every atheist and every agnostic and every Jew and every Muslim and every Mormon and everyone on the face of the earth will say, Jesus is Lord. I choose to do it now. And I begin my day, the confession, Jesus is Lord. So that's my confession, and that's how I answer every single morning. Question, 
What child is this? But let's go one step further. Letter C on your outline. What is your confession? Told you mine. What's yours? What child is this? For some of you here, um, your answer is he's the son of God and the only savior of the world and he's my savior. And, and you live for him the best you can, the best you know how. There's several of you like that. But for others of you, you confessed Jesus years ago when you walked an aisle and you've never made a confession to him since. Don't really live for him. Oh, you come to church every now and then and try to be good, but to be honest, if you look at your life and a lost person's life, there's no difference. And they'd never know you're a Christian unless you told them. And that's your confession. And then there are others here, you've, you've never made a confession. Never ever been a time in your life you've told God anything about what you believe. You've never made a confession. And I guess nobody knows how you answer the question. Whenever uh, we were over in Israel, um, our tour guide was a man by the name of Yuval Shemesh. He's, we've used him for years and known him for years. He was, he was raised a devout Jew in Jerusalem, still lives there, born and raised there, never left. At the age of 40, he realized and confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. He's the only one in his family. Confessed Jesus as the Messiah up at Caesarea Philippi one day, got on his knees in 2006 and accepted Jesus as Messiah. And one day this past week, we were standing in the old synagogue at Capernaum where Jesus taught. And he had gone through the, 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 the information. And then several of us were talk, standing around talking to him about Orthodox Jews today. And a question came up. One in our group said, how do Orthodox Jews today not believe Jesus is the Messiah when there were so many prophecies about him and they've all fulfilled in Jesus? How in the world do they not believe that? And here's what he said. He said, well, some of them are just, they're just stubborn. They don't believe it because they're still the stiff-necked people from the Old Testament. And they're just stubborn. And others, he said, they just ignore all the prophecies and they still want to look for the Messiah. They just ignore what's happened. But then he said something interesting. He said, but there are other Jews. They privately believe. They believe he's the Messiah. They won't confess it. Because it would cause too many problems in their culture and in their family and in their community and in our, in our tradition. They secretly believe he's Messiah, but they say nothing. And I thought, wait a minute. That's not salvation. Folks, you can't 
privately believe something. You've got to publicly confess it. Paul, a Jew, said, with the heart you believe, but with the mouth you confess unto salvation. So just privately believing and saying nothing is not being saved. You must confess. So, you've heard Joseph's answer. You've heard mine. What's yours?